Welcome to The Brand Collective, a podcast about our favorite brands, featuring stories from the marketers and creatives behind them. I'm your host, Nick Ross. With me, Mackenzie Koss, marketer extraordinaire. Let's get into it. Today, we have two amazing guests, Zoe Costello and Will Story from a brand all of our dogs love, BarkBox. Welcome, Zoe and Will. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this is our uh, first episode with two guests, and we couldn't be happier to to have the two of you join us from a company that I would say most people at Brandfolder use. I know I'm a bark boxer. Well, Brandfolder is really uh, gets a lot of use in our business as well. That's that where true. we keep all our dog photos, which is one of my favorite things we do is our dog photos. So. Thank you for uh, giving us a place to keep those. Yeah, truly. Thank you for creating a, a place where I can just search my dog's name and have dozens of photos. <laughs> <laughs> my pit bull looking like a complete doofus and variety of sets. This it's is amazing. Great. I didn't realize we'd be making a brand folder commercial right off the bat. Just a perfect <laughs> ad copy. Um, so you guys have both been a part of BarkBox for a long time and mentioned to me prior that it's sort of fascinating seeing the company grow to a size where it, I'm going to just say BarkBox is a household name. It's it's sort of a product that most people know about now. Uh, can you talk about your journeys, maybe individually uh, within the company and the growth that you've experienced? Would you like to go first? Sure, sure. Yeah. I started... As, yeah, in 2014, I was on the customer service, our happy team, and it was just like six people. And now it's just like hundreds of people, which is wild to think about. Um, but I started with just me and five other uh, people, and we were just talking about their dogs and laughing and crying. <laughs> it was like truly some of my favorite memories working at Bark because it really, it was a great way to get, if you're on the front lines, like figuring out the product, figuring out the customers. And then quickly we started to expand. So I was on the, uh, our like Buzzfeed type yeah. blog, yes. our dog blog, and then a <laughs> uh, video producer, social media manager. I I've had a lot of different hats uh, at the company, but they're all pretty much revolved around trying to connect with fellow dog people in mostly funny ways and heartwarming as well, I'd say. Totally, definitely. Uh, yeah, I started, uh, from bark post, which was our kind of buzzfeed for dogs type of thing. It was writing posts like, you know, 12 Halloween costumes that look better on your dog than you like that kind of thing. Uh, and you had already been here. Yeah. For about a year at that point. And then we were basically on the same journey, uh, you know, with some kind of diversions and returns, like, uh, over the course of our time here, just being like two funny people that they liked having around. So, <laughs> So yeah, so I did blogging and then at a certain point they were like, okay, we're not going to do the blog anymore, but you guys can do some other things. So Zoe got into the video producing. I got into writing an email for subscribers, just like a content email. Uh, and then eventually kind of got on the copywriting track uh, where I started naming products. And eventually a couple years ago, you know, we've gone through so many different evolutions of how we organize the company. Uh, and there was a, at a certain point we used to have everybody working on the same stuff. And like one of our old coworkers uh, compared it to like a children's soccer game where like if you kick the ball, everybody's following the ball <laughs> all in one cluster. And so a few years ago, they were like, okay, let's split it up a little more. Let's say 
we are going to have one writer doing box. We're going to have one writer doing retail. We're going to have one writer doing our online shop business and sort of split things up like that. And so, uh, so that became my opening to go from a junior copywriter to the writer doing the subscription box experience. And I've been like coming up with themes and naming toys in that vertical ever since. So not in terms of organizationally, but how has the attention and the, the scale of your audience impacted you guys as creatives within Bark? The most rewarding thing is just going on to Instagram and searching our BarkBox Day hashtag and seeing people who are excited for it. And like those moments where it feels like a real thing happening in the real world, uh, that is so exciting and so gratifying. But in terms of like, like how I write or creatively how I try to focus on the work, I, I really am just trying to like make myself laugh or make Zoe laugh or make our friends laugh and really just try to focus on, you know, if it's good enough for me, then that's really the only uh, standard I, I try to keep, I try to hold to. And it's always like when you said we were a household name earlier, I was like, oh my God, I, it's so, it is so humbling and so strange to have gone through six years of friendship and six years of just singing dumb songs <laughs> and like making up silly dog jokes in this building in Chinatown. It hasn't gotten old yet either. It has, never gets old. It never gets old. Gets old. Uh, I was also going to agree with, I was thinking the same exact thing. Like it, it feels like we started relatively small when we both started when things were relatively small and it felt like an inside joke between us but also between the customer in a way i mean yes. we don't want to like leave any customers out but it feels like oh dog people get it like okay like sort of yes. like an inside joke that we're inviting try wanting to invite the customer into and i think we've maintained that meant that energy we that's still sort of the goal and hearing that there are more people in on the joke is just is wild I completely agree with that. It's like, I, I feel like we we both picture our customers being a specific member of a small dog cult that we are in on. And then like, as we keep growing and more people come into that fabric, it's like, oh, damn, okay, well, that's cool. That's exciting. I, yeah, it, it, I picture like a dog park. Like when I go to a dog park and I'm like talking to that person, that person, that person, but this, it just is now a huge dog park. <laughs> the world is a dog park. Um, <laughs> uh, have there been any moments, uh, you know, comedy can sometimes be exclusionary or be, you know, like sort of create ruffle some feathers, if you will, to put it kindly. Um, have there been any moments, uh, that have maybe challenged a little bit of, you know, the higher ups or challenged audience members or challenged your clientele? Yeah. <laughs> i'm like trying to think of like okay what are the like how do yeah. i answer that question without getting in trouble <laughs> yeah i've lost track of the times that we've made people mad <laughs> <laughs> luckily though i mean at least so like on social media or when mm -hmm. you know when we put things out very publicly people get mad there's always that one weirdo at the dog park you got to take into account but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. luckily we also have a lot of um, subscribers or followers come to our defense, which yes, is really, yes. really nice. And being like, guys, it's a joke. It's yes. a joke. Like, they obviously love dog. I, I don't even, I can't really remember well, much. Well, one, one that comes to mind, uh, and it's not necessarily a time that we pushed too far, but maybe a time that we, like, briefly lost control of a story and then, like, just sort of the company's creative collective brilliance and just all the wonderful people we work with kind of saved it for us. 
uh, was this um, this time that we uh, we were doing a Thanksgiving box and we made this a uh, pigs in a blanket toy, uh, and, and it was a really cute design. It was like a pig in a blanket with a little snout in the front and a little butt and a little tail in the back wrapped in this kind of corn shell. And uh, you know, yes, as you do, <laughs> as you see in the world. Um, and when that design got out into the world, like and started showing up in Facebook ads and stuff, a lot of people were like, hey, you know, this does look like a fleshlight, right? <laughs> and they're like, oh, I guess it does. I did not occur to me. But our social team, which is so smart and like just full of the most wonderful, funny, on top of the people, uh, they really took that as a moment to say, uh, yeah, it does. And we planned it that way. And <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> and yes. <laughs> We hope your dog enjoys it. Exactly. And that was a time that there were definitely some customers who were upset with that, but a lot more who were like, oh, you you naughty naughty dog people. You must have planned this and we are in on the joke. And we were like, totally. Yes, of course, of course. (laughs) Because it almost says something. Like in order to say that that that's what it reminds me of, almost acknowledges that I sort of have a dark side to my own psychology, if that makes sense. Like, it feels like there's plenty of people who are probably like, great pig in a blanket. This is wonderful. When I saw it, I was like, hold up. Yep, yep. <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, I'm just gonna, I must be yeah. a sicko. For- <laughs> but there is something very human and obviously very satisfying about a company that's able to sort of acknowledge its own mistakes right? or take ownership over maybe an unintended consequence of something like that. Um, you talked about doing a 420 collection. One of our designers, Adam Boucher, I don't know how to pronounce it. Beekner. <laughs> Adam Boucher. Yes. Beekner. Wow. So he, uh, one of our, um, we have a, extensive hiring process and he's a toy designer and so there's a part at the end of uh for toy designers when they're applying to work here that's like what's like the craziest dog dog toy idea like throw out the edgiest one that we would never do but you would pitch to us and this was his this 420 line exactly like uh like a big marijuana leaf squeaky ball like a roll-up joint with squeakers in it just all like oh oh, my favorite is a bong that you can put treats in the top so you can have a picture of your dog like taking a hit of this bong and that was such a moment where you know we always have like when we're talking about like this kind of like vision of our audience as being like a small dog cult. That's like really one of the biggest challenges about getting bigger is like, how do you stay true to that? Like kind of like twisted core customer while also like staying uh, welcoming to this ever expanding market of people. And so when this 420 bots was coming out and this 420 collection is coming out, there was a kind of internal question of, oh, are people going to like this? Are we pushing this too far? And when those 420 toys came out, it was like our biggest sales day ever to that point biggest ever because that was what our customer wanted and it was such a nice little picture into what they want from us which is just funny fucking shit that like pushes the boundaries just a little bit and it's there's all so many sorts of different types of dog people it was exciting to open up our what we perceive our audience as like that's Not yes. only acceptable, it's celebrated, it's excited, yes, it's the best yes. selling. People are fighting over these toys. It's almost like you combine two very diehard markets. <laughs> it's 
stoners and dog people. <laughs> and I think that there's a lot of that Venn diagram overlap. Sorry, I'm just apologizing for my dog is making a lot of noises in the background. So <laughs> it's I very appropriate for this episode. It's a it's yes. as appropriate as anything. <laughs> And that's like definitely something from our vantage point of like pitching toys and like we are we are writers for the company, but we also have like this nice kind of bird's eye view because it's like when you're writing for the products, you have this kind of connective tissue point between graphic design and toy design and social. And we have a nice little catbird seat where we can try to look at trends and 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 try to go to any part of our team and say, oh, we should really do this kind of toy. Like, I really feel like there's a market here. There's a lot of energy here. And uh, we have a couple collections I don't really want to talk about right now, but there are certain projects that we have been like dying to do for a long time that are going to come out very soon. <laughs> I don't know why I laughed. Yes. Evil. Yeah, yeah. It's evil. Spooky yeah. season. <laughs> Another season. off that too, like, like that's a way, uh, that's how a lot of our partnerships uh, happen not all of them but mm. oftentimes there's a lot of people at a company like the ceos or people who work at a company like subaru or glossier or any of the dunkin donuts who are like i love dogs i love my dog let's make some dog stuff so like i don't know when it comes to dog it's just dog people get it like attracts like so yes, it's kind of yes. like how some of these partnerships of ours happen where people at other companies are like i'm obsessed with my dog Barkbox, let's make some Duncan toys or Glossier toys yes, or Subaru totally. toys. And it's very fun to to work with partners on that level. Can you talk a little bit about partnerships? Is it something uh, like what is the cadence? Do you guys reach out to companies that maybe are aligned or maybe could be a cool, uh, you know, co-branding opportunity? Or do partnerships come to you with like, you know, the CEO that's a diehard dog person. One of the fun things about being part of a fast growing company is that the process changes every year. Mm -hmm. No matter what part of the process you're talking about, it will change annually. Uh, so I can tell you like, so over the years on the subscription side, well, we have a very good team of people who reach out to, I think the way it goes is they reach out to partnerships and look for brand relationships uh, and bring those to our box. Um, and I think in the coming year, that process will probably get a little more, you know, it's, it's just always changing how they make those choices. But I know I'm always really excited whenever we can do something with like a really like nice dog focus, like Scooby-Doo or Snoopy uh, or even, um, even the Grinch I thought was really fun because yeah. it's like, you know, Max and the Grinch, that's like, you know, your dog puts up with you being like a Grinch. There's like an emotional relationship there that you can uh, put onto your dog and yourself. The Grinch is a dog person, which makes him great. <laughs> and I would also answer your question by saying, I think it's a mixture. I think it's sometimes it's us pursuing. Sometimes it's it's like organic, like, oh my gosh, I love dog. I have a dog. You work at yeah. so BarkBox, like, let's do a thing. Let's hang out <laughs> have there been any partnerships that particularly excited you guys the people at subaru are really rad and easy to work yes, with and are just yes. like down clown dog style <laughs> <laughs> um glossier is also great glossier's like headquarters are mm -hmm. around the corner from our headquarters and literally it would be and they allow dogs in their store so mm -hmm. it truly became like bumping into each other on the street corner with yeah. dogs and being like come to glossier like so that's how that happened and those toys were really yeah. cute 
and I, I don't want to, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say right now, but we do have a partnership this coming Christmas that I think is a really cute and really nice fit for us. And I'm really excited to get it, to show it to people. Uh, so, so awesome. we'll see. Well, I'm, I'm excited. It does feel like going back to Subaru, it does feel like Subaru is such a dog car. I feel like right? we're located in Denver, Colorado. And I think Subaru is sort of the de facto, like, Colorado car like it's the most popular and it sort of goes so hand in hand with hiking and taking your dog around and it's uh it makes sense the world makes sense in my mind um yeah a true brew out, out bark <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. nailed it you got the job you're hired <laughs> we did it <laughs> so Will and I have a long history that goes back maybe what nearly 20 years now in New York we were doing comedy together you guys right. were five years old five, yeah, years, we old. Were five yep. years old <laughs> <laughs> um no we were part of the upright citizens brigade theater and part of this improv community that uh has you know tons of creatives from all different you know in all different walks of life have sort of emerged from this theater uh but we were just connected on linkedin still and i saw a post about the, the squeaky toys and bark box going insanely viral on reddit and i think that's how we got back in touch with each other because i was like that's amazing that's right. it's amazing to kind of put a, a a person and a person that you know behind something that's so commonplace i mean i pick up those squeakers all the time that's like part of like oh you know you're done um can you talk about that joke and going viral yeah uh yeah i mean first i'll say amazing to talk to you again <laughs> <laughs> so, great, great to great to be back together after all these years. Um, but yeah, like we uh, we generally at Bark, we always are looking for, like we we want to fill our stuff with Easter eggs and make things fun and make things surprising and, and give each project more texture. And it kind of goes back to that thing about how we're re we really are just writing to please ourselves and writing to make ourselves laugh and just looking for things that. Are fun to us and, and one example of that is we knew we wanted to uh update the language on our speakers um just like as a sort of message to customers like hey you know throw this out if your dog has just gotten this squeaker all the way out of their toy and, and so our toy designers and my boss they they came to me and zoe and they were like okay um we want something fun on this squeaker and the line I came up with was game over, your dog won, discard this squeaker. And it's awesome. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I, so like just a couple weeks ago, I mean, so much of this stuff, I like forget it after I do yeah. it. I'll be completely honest. We're, we do so many jokes and make so many toys all the time that like you just kind of have to have like a memory of a fish with some of this stuff. Um, but like I literally had forgotten I wrote that joke. And then uh, Stacy Grissom, who uh, was our old manager on the social side once upon a time, she messaged me a couple weeks ago and was like, hey, did you write that? And I'm like, yeah, I did. What's up? And she dropped this link to a Reddit post where somebody uh, somebody's dog had ripped open the toy and found that squeaker. And it got like 100,000 upvotes in a single day and was like the top post on mildly interesting for the day. And I was like, man, <laughs> so, uh, I've yeah. made it. I'm mildly interested. You're mildly interested. <laughs> but yeah. you're the most mildly interested. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> I also think it's that it makes it, there's, we, 
are so, so many of us are genuine dog people and genuine dog parents, dog owners. Like we think about those details, like, okay, mm-hmm. what is the experience like? Everyone, every dog owner, parent, however you choose to identify as a dog person, person. Um, knows what it's like to like pick up the squeaker and be like, okay, like now what? Like, let's take every sort of moment, every facet, exactly. every detail yeah. of being a dog person and add a wink to it, add a joke to it, add a yes. moment that we're like, we see you, we've been there, we we get it. Like, yes. we're, we, we aren't just people making dog stuff willy nilly. No. <laughs> no, we're thinking about it. Always put extra thought into it. Very hard about it. And you know what? This is actually a fun little opportunity to put it out there for all the haters. We don't plant shit on Reddit. We really don't. We just make stuff fun. Because every now and then, like whenever one of our things blows up like that, because we love putting like surprise toys inside of our toys, like little Easter egg characters. Like uh, we had this sad cactus that's one of our all-time biggest viral hits. Consuela the cactus. Um. And you get these like kind of grumpy people who are like, oh, more viral marketing by the BarkBox people. And it's like, all I can tell you is we literally don't. I At least I certainly don't know that we do. I wouldn't do. know how to. I wouldn't and know I ran the social media. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. just, we try to make something that is fun for us and fun for dog people. And when it takes off, it's just, it's a big compliment. Um, and so... So yeah, so that's that that's that story. But you, do you want to talk about the dog mom rap? Oh sure, yeah, yeah the dog mom We've rap. We've all been viral. Really <laughs> yeah, <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the dog mom. So the woman who ran social media before myself, Katie Haller, is amazing. She's a comedian, stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. She worked with the company for years, um, and she came up to me one day and literally was like, "Let's do a dog mom rap." And I was like, "Let's do it." I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, okay. She has like a vision. So the two of us literally just wrote lyrics to a song because that's all her other that's her yeah. other thing as a stand up artist. Uh, stand up artist, yes, <laughs> a stand up artist, <laughs> yes, a stand up comedian who's like alter ego is Teaspoon, this character who also raps, and I have no talent whatsoever with rapping, but I I'm good at making dog jokes. So she was like, "Let's do this together." We wrote a dog mom rap song. We literally filmed it in a weekend. We wait in Simus. Did I say that correctly? Too? Wheaton Simus, yes. The uh, wild the name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, we sort of like, we told one of the our founder, Kenrick, we were like, by the way, we're like doing this thing. It's not going to cost any money. We're going to do it over the weekend. Like, don't worry about it. Bye. Yes. And he was sort of like, okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Yes. It, it blew up. I mean, yes. Katie Heller and Millions. I just wrote lyrics talking about what it's like to be a dog mom. It was right before mother's day and mm-hmm. we it was so from the heart it was yes. so from our weird stupid little hearts and people really it really resonated with people it, it was fun it was a lot of fun my favorite moment in that video because it's very bombastic very in your face very stylized and then there's like a needle drop uh or a, a break in the in the action where it just cuts to you and your dog ziggy just sitting on the couch very normal no facade and you just look at him like right in the face and you're like you're amazing <laughs> <laughs> he was yeah a wonderful guy oh and then the beat just kicks right back up right yep, exactly yeah <laughs> beautiful isn't it funny like the how going viral almost makes you suspect now i feel like going viral is such this 
this, you know, like strange witch's brew that every company wants to like put in the right ingredients and go viral all the time. And I think whenever companies do or find a little bit of success, people are like, what's their secret? They, they're tricking the Because people are like, oh, that's great. Do it again. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. The that's... stuff that like sort of seems the most like off the cuff or, yes. or like just sort of like an authentic, genuine thought or just that you don't remember. That's, yeah, authentic yeah. and genuine. I think those moments are obviously like you're basically kind of, you know, anthropologists studying like the the persona of a dog owner and like breaking down every you know subtle idiosyncrasy possible um like well, i love how it's like every dog owner picks up a squeaky toy at some point let's make that a moment I, <laughs> I love about being here is that our brand really does lend itself to authenticity and lends itself to a positive story because your dog gives you this emotional response when you open our box. And that to me is why it works best as a dog subscription business versus any other animal, any other pet. Because you can love any pet, but only your dog gives you that full body emotional response and shares that joy with you completely uh, when you open that product. And so like all these little moments of authenticity and love and joy that we aim for in our brand it really comes across just because those are all just the emotions that your dog brings into your life. And that, that freeness, that disregard for the rules and just that like pure unadulterated joy. Uh, all we have to do is tell the customer what's already happening in front of them because that love for your dog is just, that's just what you're sharing with them every day. Well, I want to cry. <laughs> yeah, I'm so touched right now. Um, right? I mean, it's very clear that both of you are so like, perfect for these roles. It feels like you're so passionate about the work you do and you found this beautiful way to, to make it constructive and to, you know, be a crucial part of this big company. Do you feel ownership? Like, obviously you've seen a company go from maybe, oh, you know, at a dinner conversation with friends, like I work at this company, we make kind of these dog toys, we write these things to now it's like, you work at Box, tell me all of the secrets because I love this. Um, can you talk about, uh, I, maybe we're going to touch on some of the conversations that we've already had, but I'd love to hear more about your journey as creatives in this company. And maybe, oh, oh I love this. Oh my gosh, Moose, you are beautiful. Yeah, we're getting oh a visit my goodness. from Moose. Knucklehead. What a pup. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry, you were saying? Um, yeah, what was that? I think I just want to talk a little bit more about your personal journeys um, and anything that sticks out uh, as creatives well, sort of starting in a place that I'm sure there's a lot of, like when you first started, like, what is this? What am I gonna be doing? And now it feels like you're both such uh, professionals in this environment. By accident. Uh, it's, you know, it, there's a couple of things to say about that. One sure, is, I'm sure. uh, like, like one is, there's something very strange about like just sort of becoming over the force of time, like a protector of a certain point of view or like the caretaker of certain brand values. Like uh, so much of our business and our kind of creative point of view as a company is very, um, very horizontal and very shared ownership. And we really just want to take this basic tool of like your dog's joy and love and laughter and like let anybody interpret that however they want, like anywhere in the company. Um, and so it's been very strange, like being here for so long and like going from just one of 
you know, one of like 50, 60, like funny, smart people uh, to one of the oldest kind of grandfathered <laughs> in figures of this massive system. Like, like when I think of our super, super intense hiring process, like our hiring processes were not that hard. I basically just had to like hold my, hold my boss's dog in an interview and answer some questions <laughs> about like, you know, some funny posts I used to write. Uh, and now it's like, six years later just watching this whole thing grow and get more vertical and get more organized and and really just trying to represent a basic point of view of oh let's stay creative let's stay let's keep that kind of core dog cult in mind uh let's not let this sort of big bang happen and then lose all the like the heat and intensity of what it was when it was really much smaller um so that's kind of what comes to my mind yeah i i I, I've never felt that I don't belong at Bark. I've never mm. felt like I've always, I had a dog before I applied here. My, uh, <laughs> for my interview process, I came with treats in my pocket and I was like, this is going to get me some points. Like the dogs are going to come running to me. And then all people are going to be like, oh, we must get her. But I, I think I, so I, I was a, dogs have been, I've been a freak for dogs since I was a little girl, like <laughs> hanging off dog's neck as a toddler. Like they are, they are my joy. They are my like safe space. They are, they mean so much to me. And oh yeah, I, I where was I going with that? <laughs> so emotional. It, you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess in that sense, like, and then I, Bark was like my first real job in a way and it, and it, it seems Same. like such a dream come true and it, it, it it's a little bit in a in in one way it's kind of effortless because it's 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 just I don't know I'm doing something that I I'm, I'm doing something that revolves around something that I'm so obsessed with and passionate about and I never knew that necessarily a dog company would exist or did exist but it seems pretty I seem I feel very grateful that as a creative, I was able to find. Have that. any of the um, the growth steps been jarring, or any of the, like the specific uh, evolutions of the company left you kind of wide eyed in any way? I don't. It's the, the most recent one, and I think that's not so much because mm -hmm. of we've gone public, but because we were out of the office for two years because of yeah. the pandemic, obviously. Yeah. So, like, we just opened up the office again this month, and it's. Yeah. It's pretty jarring. Like it's, it's, it's different. It's very strange. It's, it's like that sort of watch pot never boils thing, but we took our eyes off the pot for two years and we came back to this office where suddenly half the employees are brand new to us. And like, even like at every level, like we got a new CEO in the time since we were last in office. So it's just like, there is so many new people. And, and that's another thing about being like kind of one of the older employees in the creative wing is like, bringing in all these new toy designers and graphic designers and trying to ingratiate yourself with them and be like, Hey, like, this is, you know, this is where I'm coming from. This is my point of view. I'm so excited to meet you. Let's collaborate. Uh, just making all those collaborations happen in person for the first time after two years of it, it, it really is. That's definitely like pretty overwhelming and pretty shocking. It's just how I, big it feels after that big break. I also, I, I feel Part of, I feel like part of my responsibility coming to the office these days is to be that uh, disruptive, annoying, like, 
Pyaw, pyaw. Wow, Like it used to, the office was, and it still is, it's getting there still, but like the office was, it's half office, it's half dog park. It is loud. It is never, it has been loud, loud, loud. Like people have walked into this office being like, how do you work here? And we're all like, we love it. (laughs) We are a rowdy, noxious office in the best way. And we hired a lot of, um, you know, people who are rowdy, I think, at yeah, heart and on their floor, but it's absolutely. like, now that we're all back in a uh, professional setting, we need to be, uh, I mean, it's like dogs, like, you've got to be, they, you can't take yourself super seriously, like, you get the job done, but there's also, like, time for play, and there's <laughs> so barking, much. and sometimes I'm the one barking. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I, I would say that that's been the most, like, jarring transition is now the office is slightly quieter, but I'm determined to change that. Yeah, just you wait. I'm sure it takes some of the seasoned vets to come in and be like, now is the time we bark. I want to talk about how you chart success as creatives. Um, is is something like going viral or is, you know, a controversial Instagram post or a controversial reaction to a toy, uh, are those in a way successes or is success more determined by... Uh, like does re- does reaction public reaction play into the the success and how you craft new creative i uh i would say like my definition of success is if it makes me and zoe laugh <laughs> uh, like if i'm like cackling while i'm typing silently <laughs> to myself uh that's really you know that's kind of the, the main threshold uh and also like i mean i just love searching the barkbox day hashtag and seeing seeing all the dogs out in the world with our stuff and responding positively to something that we came up with, that's really the most rewarding thing. And the really super viral stuff, I'm sure there are plenty of people at this company that you could interview and they would tell you like, oh, it's so awesome when we go so big and so viral. But to me, that's like, it's a nice compliment. It's exciting, but it's never what I'm consciously chasing. I'm just trying to make a good layered fun product month in and month out as much as I can stand. Uh, and like, just be satisfied with, with the work itself. I, I agree. I, I like the, if, when things go viral or when something's successful or when, you know, a customer like really responds well, like that's just, just like, Oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. like, like, like they got it. Like that's so, I mean, it obviously feels amazing and so cool. And mostly because of that, like sort of inside joke yeah. feeling that mm-hmm. I was talking about earlier. Like it feels like, Oh yeah, they got it. We're, yep. we've got that joke Pretty thing. Cool. But something that I'm extremely proud of um, at Bark is this writer's room that Will and I and the other right copywriters have like cultivated where mm-hmm. at least once a week, but oftentimes just more, we get together and we try to one up each other's jokes and we try yes. to beat each other's jokes and yes. we try to, you know, support like just just one up each other, make each other laugh. And it's it, it's it's so awesome. And that is one of the things about growing that's very exciting. It's like, it used to be literally just the two of us writing all the dog jokes. And that was a recipe for wanting to the die. The same dog joke. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but as we have grown, we have been able to bring in so many more wonderful writers and wonderfully funny people who are helping us grow this whole thing together and making us better and bringing in their point of view. So that's all really just just fantastic. Yeah, making it weird in all other ways. That, yep. You know, we're so excited about. <laughs> oh, I love this. Um, 
Yeah, it just sounds, you mentioned that the culture there kind of has to sort of emulate dog, like be kind of reckless and scrappy um, while still getting the job done, obviously. So it's it's very cool to hear. Uh, can do I, we, yeah, go oh, can on. Can I mention uh, just one other thing that I love about our office is that it, because it's a dog-friendly office, there's this whole other <laughs> civilization happening at our feet every day. Like uh, one of my one of my favorite moments was uh, Zoe, your last dog, Ziggy, who's one of my favorite dogs of all time. Uh, it's just a big dork, just a big galoot. Uh, really gives me like uh, like a Martin Starr in Freaks and Geeks energy, like that kind of character. <laughs> Um, yeah, just a big, nervous, <laughs> dorky dog. And I remember like one time he was, uh, drinking from the water bowl that's out on two for the dogs, uh, out on the second floor. And there was like a small line of dogs behind him. And I was like, oh my God, Ziggy's the alpha. Yeah. Who knew? Who, who knew? <laughs> who knew that like a dog that to us is a total dork is in the dog world, the king of the dogs. And it was just always that fun little like second layer of characters to laugh with and draw inspiration from. and they have their own dramas and excite <laughs> and like it's, it's so fun and funny to watch and it keeps us you know authentic it keeps us like yes. you can't take things too seriously when someone's like there's a turd by the elevator yep. it's like and then you have to be like well it could have been mine i guess yep. it's size appropriate and like pick it that makes it sound a lot yeah. messier than it is. But let's be honest. Yeah. There's been turned by the elevators. There was a mystery pooper haunting the office for a couple months. Uh, that situation's been resolved. <laughs> awesome. So I want to go into one more small uh, question, and then we'll go into Mackenzie's uh, next segment. Um, I guess, so it seems like the world of marketers and creatives, and especially creative writers and designers, uh, often get into a corporate environment uh, very, with a very unique path. Like it's rarely ever, you know, I started, I went to school and now I'm, I now I'm a copywriter for a company. Um, can you talk a little bit about your past and how it led you to this? Like you mentioned Zoe, that it was your first job and I think you did as well. <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit about the, the path to get to this job? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I went to NYU, just kind of wanted to do general funny, silly stuff, no real like specific career ambition. Uh, spent some time performing at the UCB theater where I, where I met you, Nick. Um, did that for a year or two, two or three years. Uh, and from that world, like once you're kind of in that comedy world, it's easier to kind of uh, build some credibility uh, in getting into like directing and commercial auditions and like small film, TV, internet video type things. And so my path for my whole 20s was really just sort of freelance patchwork, creative comedy, uh, some artwork too. Um, really just a mix of things. I was pretty determined not to have a job for as long as I could. Uh, and then when I ran out of savings, um, a friend of mine told me about this opening and so I applied and it just was a good fit because I had this like like nearly 10 year long resume of just interesting random like comedy writing acting kind of bits and that kind of character was what they were looking for to add to their company um so yeah I, I everything I've learned about copywriting I've learned while I've been at this job <laughs> I am sorry for any mistakes I've made along the way <laughs> uh 
And it's, yeah, it's been amazing to grow up in the place. Uh, but yeah, just a very, a very, very journey. And what about you? Yeah, I, um, so I went to NYU as well. Yep. I went to Tisch for acting. I wanted to, to act. And I uh, was at the experimental theater wing at NYU, which is all about self-scripting. And it was incredible and amazing. And I definitely, that's, that's, that was my, that was where I got a lot of, at least writing experience and like sort of communicate, telling a story, um, learning how to do that. But I graduated and I was like, oh my God, this is freaking brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Why does anyone want to act? This is terrible. <laughs> and I was doing that for a couple of years and working in restaurants. And then I sort of in just like a, I, I was like, I want something that's more stable than acting. I, I want to feel safe. Yeah, a little bit longer than a couple of months and I but I was also like I can't work in an office are you kidding me like they would turn me away at the door in a, in a, immediately like I don't know I, I went to Tish I don't know how to like shake a hand properly without like going into contact improv like I felt completely uh not part of the professional world but then my sister was like, what about this company Bark? Like you love dogs. And I was like, that's my in. Like that I can, I can be a professional if we're talking about dogs. Like that seems to fit. So that's, and it, it's just wildly uh, perfect and appropriate. And I, here I am seven years in loving an office job. Mm -hmm. I love that. Who, who, right. Uh, and it also helped had the opportunity to like create our roles as we go along too. Like that was one of the benefits of getting there so early is that as the company grows, we were able to find what we were best at through trial and error. And we both landed in these particular spots. And there's all, and I mean, I guess as creatives and I guess it makes me think of self-scripting it, it, it tinged a little bit too. Like there's so many opportunities to be creative and to create something like the dog mom rap, like these little mm -hmm. Easter egg moments, mm -hmm. but just sort of like, I have an idea. And if, the timing is right. Let's do it. Let's try it. Let's be weird. Yes. Let's put on a little show, yes. a little dog yes. and dog show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's one of the amazing things about being here is just how like open-minded, like it, it, I feel, you know, it, it feels relatively easy to get to yes here. I hope that's true. That's what it, that's what it's felt like for us. And I hope that's always true is that, we don't put a lot of veto points between inspiration and product. Uh, we let the things that we we're excited about come out into the world. Especially and when we don't ask for permission. Yes. That, <laughs> <laughs> that is like that sort of horizontal, like open-minded nature of the business makes it so much easier to do great stuff and to be a creative person and like watch it happen in the real world. Yeah. It, it really feels like you're kind of unafraid of facing any kind of reaction and going, okay, we get it. We're, we were just trying to have fun. All right, everybody. It is time for our next segment, my personal favorite, Today in Brands. So two iconic brands, Louis Vuitton and Frank Geary. So architecture and luxury brand coming together to create these mini sculpture perfume bottles. Each of the perfume bottles is a twisted sculpture. It's a nod to 
their Louis Vuitton foundation in Paris, which is these beautiful 12 curving sails. It's supposed to represent the 13th one. It's a take on micro architecture so the consumer can have it at home because we all cannot afford to have an actual huge sculpture in our yards. Let's be real. Uh, Want your take on that. And this is a fun twist. If you guys were to do a bark box addiction addition for humans, obviously dogs don't need perfume because they smell amazing. But if you were to create a perfume bottle for owners, what's something fun that you would add to a twist on it? First to the first point, I in terms of that collaboration, I just want it to be a dog toy like Frank Gary, Louis Vuitton. Can we talk about doing that bottle? with a crinkly top as like a squeaky dog toy. I think we would do yes. very well with that. Um, yeah. The first, when you said perfume bottle, I was like, mm, breakable. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Does it bounce? Yes. <laughs> Shatterproof. Yes. Yeah. Shatterproof would be wonderful. Mm, this, I don't think, I'm not sure if this totally answers your question, but something that I have thought about a lot and we made a video once a while ago, but I think it's due for a redo is a puppy breath yep. perfume. <laughs> yep. Yes. yes. That is one of the best smells ever. And ever. ever. It's like pancake batter. It, it's like, it's like how do you, yes. It's so <laughs> good. And like when you're with a puppy, I'm just like, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like puppy breath. So good. So I, I, I now that we're bigger, I should bring Beautiful. that. Like, yeah. Let's make a puppy breath perfume. Yes. I will 100% buy that. I will put that on my shelf and use that. It seems every day. like you could test it internally, like get some company to make it for like your holiday gift to the company employees. And like, <laughs> and the dog wanted to sort oh, of yeah. bite it and eat it. So it's like, it's like, it is like a cookie mist almost. You're so right that it is like a, like, yeah. I also think, you know, you follow that up with a, uh, like a, uh, Puppy paw cologne for men. Let us get in on it. (laughs) This is our final little segment. Uh, We're just going to ask you three open-ended questions. And obviously, since there's two of you, feel free to go one at a time or you can collab on an answer. Uh, First question (laughs) is, what have you recently done for the very first time? So, I I mean, very first time, I, 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 I went bungee jumping like what the, like, <laughs> what <laughs> but this is what's so embarrassing the thing like that was like okay that's technically the right answer but the answer that kept going through my head was like mm, driving <laughs> <laughs> like that to me was so much more scary yeah. i i learned to draw like i got my driver's license by the skin of my damn teeth when i was a teenager and then i moved to new york and then i developed a fear of driving and the pandemic, COVID sort of got me uh, behind the driver's seat. So even though I have driven before and I also went bungee jumping the first time, I would say uh, driving was the real exciting yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. same. I, I like want to drive again. You can do it. <laughs> it's, I mean, I it's, uh, it's a practice. You got to stay. It's, you gotta it's, it's confidence. It's, it's, it was a whole thing for me. At least. And I think as you get older, you get like scared of more things. I don't know. I, I'm more forgiving of people that are timid drivers only because it's a very scary thing to do. I love that you went bungee jumping and your story of like overcoming your fear was like, I got on the highway. I got on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> well, the bungee jumping, you're so strapped in and you have like people that are like, 
throwing you shakas going like, let's go, <laughs> you know, have a great time. I, let's put it this way. I never like talked to my therapist being like, I just don't know why I can't bungee jump. Like, why am I not an adult who can't bungee jump? So driving was a much bigger uh, <laughs> emotional. I'm kind of excited for this question with you guys. Um, so if your office had a show and tell, what would you bring to it? Uh, this is a little portrait of our our friend Noodle, who is Jonathan oh God. incredible pug. Show me nudes on Instagram. Uh, he is dressed in his like best kind of like gothy outfit in this little glittery golden frame. That was a Thanksgiving shoot where I, first of all, that was staring at me the entire time, and it never like it doesn't occur to me like like yeah, there's Noodle in the frame glitter photo with yep. the goth ops. Yeah. It's like so like, I don't know how if this comes across, but the photo is like kind of foggy in a way where it really feels like it's coming from The Shining or something. Yes. <laughs> Major a, spooky vibes right there. Also, there's a light pattern <gasps> up across right over his face right now, which is very unsettling. That me. was for the, <laughs> Dr. Scrabbles. That's another dog. Just yep. charging. Uh, that was for a photo shoot, I think, a Thanksgiving photo shoot wherein uh, Noodle, this ancient, ancient pug miserable little played pug. every character so he was dressed as the matriarch the patriarch the golf team like, <laughs> yeah, the, the angry drunk uncle yes. like <laughs> it was and this uh, that's yeah his goth version was definitely my favorite as well he's got a long black wig on yeah one of the all-time funniest best dogs i I, I, I think of him as our, our beyonce because he's just so irresistible he's just <laughs> magnetic charm this dog can yeah, you say again can you say again What's that? whose dog it is? Oh, yeah. 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 Our, our dear friend uh, and former coworker, Jonathan Grazian. Uh, wonderful guy. The two of them, John, Jonathan and Nude, Noodle, were mm-hmm. like such icons here at Bark. They had an unboxing. They're just, they're, they're, they're both stars. Oh, yeah. You can see them on TikTok, on Instagram, everywhere. They're just, they're just, uh, and yeah, we just have so many, like, like Noodle has a car downstairs. He has like a little, like, we bought him a car. Yeah, we bought him a car. Just like a little table-sized car that we put him in once and he drove around and everybody just kind of looked at him and like silently applauded. And he'd be like, Rawr! Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. So I have one more question for you guys. Uh, thanks again for doing this. This has been a joy of an episode. Do you have any advice uh, that you would give to a younger version of yourself, like maybe a, a person prior to entering this sort of corporate corporate copywriting world, or if you were to meet yourself 10 years ago, uh, is there anything that you would sort of impart right now, given the journey you've been on? Yeah, I, uh, I think uh, for, yeah, for somebody who's listening and like is excited by like, where we've ended up, I, I I can only give the advice. I can only like describe my path and hope that it's helpful in some way as advice, which is uh, find a relatively small company and be willing to do anything. That would kind of be, I mean, like not in a kind of labor exploitation kind of way, but in terms of just like wearing many hats, uh, be willing to, uh, yeah, be willing to grow with the company um, and be excited for what you're doing. Uh, and, and, and this is a big one. This is advice that's always served me well here, uh, which is that you, um, your job will kind of become what you want it to be. Like if you treat yourself like an expert and if you carry yourself with authority, uh, people will respond to that. Like, uh, like we really have so much uh, freedom here and get to do so many wonderful things uh, because we believe in dogs, we believe in our product, and we also believe in ourselves, and we believe in our own 
the value of our own point of view and what we can contribute. Um, so I think just like go to any company, don't worry about the first role you're applying to think about the role that you're going to grow into. Um, and believe in yourself and speak like an expert and people will listen to you. It's really good advice. That's very true. Um, I would also, sorry, did I cut you off? No, I'm done. Um, I think I touched on a little bit where, and I was like, I don't know how to be a professional person, but I do know <laughs> that I love dogs. So that seems like a great entry point. So definitely something that you're genuinely interested in makes, I mean, that's kind of cliche, but it just makes the job easier. It makes it easier to, to contribute, to feel like yeah. you, you have ownership in what you're doing. Um, I also think that a lot of young people or people who are just starting at a new company don't often recognize the power they have of being a fresh sort of breath of fresh air, fresh uh, take. It's like that we've seen so many people who come in with like this confidence, like I have this great idea and they just, and everyone's all ears. Like everyone's excited to hear the new point of view. I think at least, I mean, I think that a lot of probably successful companies would have that um, belief as well. So coming in confident and like ready to share, like guns blazing, yeah, share Absolutely. your point of view because yeah. it's, uh, and that's so exciting yeah. with us because sometimes I'm like, am I getting in a rut? Am I doing the same thing? So when there's somebody coming in fresh, like, oh, now I'm back inspired. Like it lights a fire under my ass and like, or re-inspires me, I guess. So um, yeah, yeah. No, it's, I don't know. It's stepping on toes, stepping on toes isn't what I mean, but no, that, no, I think what you're saying makes perfect sense. Cause cool. it's, yeah. Like take ownership and like, uh, yeah, lead, lead the way. Like recognize like, your power coming in the yes. door. Like, like have, you have power as a new person. I love that. You're listening to a brand folder podcast where we like to say strong brands live here. Join us as we build the Brand Collective, a podcast for anyone curious about the people behind the brands that we all love. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe.